This podcast sponsor has a product I use every day. I started taking EG1 because I wanted more energy, wanted to break my daily soda habit, and a friend of mine recommended it, so I gave it a shot. I was honestly skeptical that it would taste good because it looks super healthy, but it has a mildly sweet taste that's actually really good because I don't care how healthy it is. If it's not good, I'm not drinking it every day. So I was on and off AG1 for about six months, and then about a month ago, I decided to drink it every day and pay attention to how I felt. Here are some things I love about AG1. It supports mental clarity and alertness. Your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is so important to add in when we don't get as much sunlight as we should. And I know the vitamin D supplement that I started taking, it was this one. It was an immense game changer for me in terms of my daily sluggishness. And it's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself if you drink AG1. Right now, it's time to claim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. I put a little ice in it, and it is so yummy, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash noise. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash noise to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. It's all about coming home to what, who are you at your essence and what do you, how do you want to feel in the right relationship and how can you shift the meaning that you're making of your previous romantic history. You're listening to Make Some Noise Podcast, episode number 453 with guest Lily Womble. Welcome to Make Some Noise Podcast, your guide for strategies, tools, and insight to empower yourself. I'm your host, Andrea Owen, global speaker, entrepreneur, life coach since 2007, and author of three books that have been translated into 18 languages and are available in 22 countries. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a lesson that will help you maximize unshakable confidence, master resilience, and make some noise in your life. You ready? Let's go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here. As we are deep in our theme of relationships, I didn't want to forget about all of those of you listening who are single and dating. And maybe you're single and not dating. I'm thinking of you too. And this episode with Lily is, is not just for those people who are single and dating. It's for everyone. She talks about your relationship with yourself. She talks about our love lives. And I think that you are going to enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed interviewing Lily. Before we begin, there are a handful of spots left for the Daring Way retreat in September in Asheville, North Carolina. And the early bird price is going up on June 10th of this year, 2022. So if you are kind of on the fence, you're like, I'll sign up later, you want to get your cute butt over there to the info page and check it out, andreaowen.com slash retreat. And all of the information is there. If you need to jump on the phone with me, check out the FAQs. You can do that there. And let's get into it. Let me tell you a little bit about Lily. 
Lily was a top matchmaker at the largest firm in the U.S. After matching hundreds, she realized that with coaching, women could become their own expert matchmaker to find better dates for themselves than anyone else ever could. Now as the founder of Date Brazen, she's helped hundreds of women around the world build badass dating lives that lead to extraordinary relationships through unconventional coaching and transformative community. So without further ado, here is Lily. Lily, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to have you. Andrea, I'm pumped. Let's do it. Oh, yes, let's do it. Well, you and I were chatting before the show and I was I was sort of asking you, you know, do you only talk about dating because the audience of this show is um, it's a mix of people who are in, who are partnered in relationships, whether they're married or not. And then, a, and then some single people too, mostly women, the vast majority of the people listening right now are women. And I don't want people who are partnered to turn it off. So what do you want to say in regard to that being a dating expert? Yep. First of all, Hey y'all. Hello, everyone listening. I know that dating is a microcosm of every fucking thing. It's a microcosm of every hope, joy, dream, fear, insecurity, desire that we have as humans. And so when I work with a woman on her dating life who is single, what we're doing is really helping her tap into her own freedom and her own agency. And so we'll be talking about dating through that lens today. It's not just about like, this is not about how to hook anybody, like how to do your dating profile. No, 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 or, no, no, yeah. no, no. Cause that shit doesn't can I can curse, right? That feels that oh, yeah, feels yeah. like home. Please. Yes. Welcome here. So uh that stuff does that shit doesn't matter. What matters is how you show up for yourself and your desires. And uh, I have people, coupled people who ask to do my program, and I'm like, yeah, it's not for you. And I'm so glad that you resonate. So everybody, I hope that you, my intention is that you get exactly what you need today. Fantastic. Thank you for that little caveat, if you will. And, and I hope everybody stays because there's there's something to be learned for everyone, myself included. Okay. So how do you see, let's start here. How do you see women? I love this topic because you know I wrote a book called Make Some Noise and about kind of taking up space, mm-hmm. but how do you see women playing small in their dating and in their love lives? Mm -hmm. And why are they doing that? Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, we live in a really patriarchal world in which women were particularly socialized to be safe by being small, right? So we can't ignore the context. Uh, Literally, like, women were economic property not too long ago and still are in a lot of places in this world. And so when we think about why is dating so hard for me? Why do I have troubles taking up space, asking for my needs to be met? Let's look at the greater context and have some self-compassion here because dating is this microcosm of everything. It is not in a silo. And I see so many women believing that they are a failure somehow because they're not romantically partnered or believing Mm -hmm. that they're somehow less than. And I think that has a lot to do with the messages that we were told by our mothers, by our coworkers, by our cousins, by our, my aunt, I grew up in the deep South in Alabama. I'm actually my cousin who was like close to my age before my first date ever. When I was 16, she called me and she's like, Lily, I just want to let you know, you need to be jovial boys like girls who are jovial. And, and you need to Jovial. laugh more and talk less. I know you're a little bit too much. So don't right. Oh. So these messages really impact our nervous system. Right. And, and she thought she was giving you like the best oh advice. God. She to get was like, 
girl, you're going to be married by 21 with this advice. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's the goal in a lot of places. Jovial Lily. Jovial Lily, which mm-hmm. I am a both <laughs> and of jovial, complex, uh, anxious, all of the things at once. And I love that now. But so why women play small? The socialization piece. Then I think mm-hmm. we have a crisis of permission that women in so many other areas of their life have been giving themselves massive permission in work, ask for that raise, in your friendships, ask for the boundaries, ask for your needs to be met, in your relationship with your parents, maybe like, yes, ask your mom to fulfill, you know what I'm saying? There's There's been mm-hmm. a, uh, a widespread conversation change in how we talk about other aspects of a woman's life. And I don't see that same conversation happening for dating. I see that women are still unsure generally who I, women who are so fucking powerful in every other aspect of their life, they're still unsure if they can give themselves permission to want what they want and believe that it's possible in their love lives. And so I think that's why people are playing small because most people, most people I work with in the beginning literally do not feel safe asking for more because they have been trained to believe that asking for more means isolation and rejection. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's embedded for many of us. I wouldn't venture to say most of us in our nervous system, like into our DNA. I remember when you touched on something that resonated so much with me about having our value come from being partners. And, and when we're not, we feel like something's wrong with us. I remember I, I have a friend, this was several years ago. She was, I believe in her mid or late thirties and was single and and said, I just keep asking myself the question, why hasn't anyone picked me yet? Oh, and yeah. I felt that as a woman, you know, that is that is what I mean. Maybe not they don't say it in so many words, but there's a reason that that is now kind of a a, a slang term in our vernacular, like a quote unquote pick me girl. It's like, well. <laughs> Fuck you, culture. Right. Oh, I mean, like, I'm embarrassed to say I'm addicted to the Bachelor season right now and how pervasive it is in that, like, bullshit TV show of, like, choose me, choose Mm -hmm. me, choose me, pick me, pick me, pick me. And I think that that's so I feel that with your friend. I don't know that she's there right now anymore, but that's so fucking real. Well, and I just want to add one more thing. What I resonated with was I felt like a failure because I had been dumped twice by guys who didn't even deserve me. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I knew it in the relationship and I'm like, why can't I even keep like this derelict? Oh my God. <laughs> What's wrong with me mm. that I can't keep a relationship? Like, and then I blamed myself. Like it, it's, it's either like, I am too much. I'm asking for too mm-hmm. much. My standards are mm-hmm. too high. I must be just too hard to be in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. I'm too bossy. I'm too, too, too big with my personality. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, I just felt, um, I kind of came to the conclusion where I'm like, I'm just bad at relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you hear that from your clients? Well, sometimes? I heard that out of my own mouth when I was a professional matchmaker, like top three out of 160 at this national firm. And I was in a very toxic romantic relationship at the same time. So like I was, Mm -hmm. as I was giving advice, like you deserve more, let's get you out on some amazing dates. I know how to do that. I was also accepting so little in my own romantic life. And I think Mm -hmm. it was because of the deeper, um, the deeper story that was interwoven through my identity that, um, I'm too much. I need to tone it down. And I was told that at age 12 by my mom, you know, who I love and have a close relationship with now, but she said, 
when I was 12, you're going to have a hard time finding a husband because your personality is so strong. Holy moly. And so uh, when that relationship started to crumble, he was initiating it again, echoing your experience of like, why the fuck is this relationship ending? I want to be the one to end this relationship. He, why is he ending it? So I came to this point where it was a personal wreck and and professional. It's when I started dating, uh, started creating date brazen, but a personal professional reckoning where I was like, I'm no longer willing to be out of alignment with my worthiness, that this is actually becoming intolerable for me to be pushing myself into such a small box. And so I would rather exist and expand into my full, like badass, weird, uh, nerdy, intense self then be limited by this too much narrative anymore. And that's when I started to discover the tenets that I now teach in the Brazen Breakthrough, my program, that it's all about coming home to what are what who are you at your essence and what do you, how do you want to feel in the right relationship? And how mm-hmm. can you shift the meaning that you're making of your previous romantic history? Yeah. So it sounds like a little bit, some deeper work than just like, you know, guidelines about which picture you should use for your dating profile. I have a question, like kind of a side question that I feel is important to address. Do you find that, you know, straw woman that, that we've been talking about is mostly that way in heterosexual relationships, or do you find the same kind of characteristics in either, you know, lesbian women who are exclusively only, only dating women Mm -hmm. or by women with their dating women? Mm -hmm. Like, what does that look like? I, Love this question. I think that our issue, like women's issues with their own internal narrative about am I worthy? Am I enough? Do I get to want what I want? Extends whatever your sexual orientation, whoever you date. I think that there are different questions that women who date women ask themselves about like, Mm -hmm. or just the way women are socialized, like those relationships are different. If you're a woman with a woman, um, we're not dealing necessarily so much with why haven't men done their emotional work? Why haven't men gone to therapy? I can't find that emotional. I'm doing so much emotional labor, maybe a little bit less of that. If you're a woman dating Mm -hmm. a woman and the conversation is the same about how do I rewrite my relationship to my desires? How do I allow myself to want what I want and ask for it and create emotional safety in my own body as I ask for it. That's hard. (laughs) I've had actually, I'm going to, I'm going to drop some links in the, in the show notes for people. Um, I've had Elijah Pritchard on talking about emotional regulation and and a couple of other experts and therapists on talking about that emotional regulation, Mm -hmm. which I think is so important, Mm -hmm. especially when we feel triggered with our own family of origin stuff, whether it's, you know, so social programming con- and conditioning that we've received that we might not even know at face value, probably if they listen to this podcast regularly, they know, but, um, that emotional regulation and having to have hard conversations and ask for what we want, whether it's just, you know, with all of our clothes on at the dinner table or with our clothes off in the oh bedroom, God, yeah. it's important. Yeah, it absolutely is important. And it's also important to break up with the idea of being perfect at it. <laughs> It's like, yeah, like I I work with a lot of women who are high achieving, who struggle with anxiety. I struggle with depression and anxiety. And uh, the question that I hear so often is, can I 
will it be possible to find somebody who can deal with my anxiety? Who can, who is going to be cool with when I have a panic attack? Are they going to know how to support me through that? And I think it's important to, because a lot of, all of us are in my program, probably recovering perfectionists, break up with this idea that there's a perfect way to emotionally regulate and that you have to show right. up perfectly emotionally regulated to find love. That's a fallacy. It's all about like, how do you keep yourself safe and also believe that you deserve care, that you deserve to be, your care deserves to be prioritized in the right relationship. And that that can be a qualifier disqualifier for you. Um, I have so many questions, but I'm going to stick to the script. (laughs) I'm going to have to have you on probably twice because I have, I have so more questions. Well, you mentioned that you work with a lot of high achieving women Mm -hmm. as, as do I, as, as, as I would say, like all the women listening to this show. What is the biggest struggle that you see with them as they face the challenges in their love lives? Well, there's the asking for what you want piece. There's the identifying what you want piece. So we go from most women, most people in general, when you ask what they want, they're like, here's my checklist. Here's my ABCD list. What we need to do first and foremost is get to the essence of what you desire. I call them essence-based preferences. So when you say like, when you ask them what they want, let me, let me yep. clarify this. Are you talking about when you ask them what they want in a relationship and or a partner? Yeah. What are you looking for? Okay, got yeah. it. Okay, just want to make sure I was clear. Yeah, for sure. And everybody says this, the same version of like intelligent, kind, funny, uh, you know, warm, compassionate. I want to get beneath the surface of all of those things. What is the essence of what you desire? Not what to does that look like? yeah. What does it feel like? First and foremost, like not a rigid picture snapshot, but an impressionist painting. I think so many women are afraid that what they want doesn't exist that they're mm-hmm. protecting themselves from deeper vulnerability and risk by not admitting to themselves how they want to feel in the right relationship, not admitting to themselves like the depth of their desire. So first we need to, what, what are you thinking? Yeah. Well, I was just going to say like, I love examples yes. and so, you know, like give us an example of like, of what, what that actually means. Like yeah. paint it. Paint a, so uh, I, uh, what a very fun example is I worked with a client who was like every man that I've ever liked has a man bun. And that's something that I like to see in a man. I like to see a man bun. And uh, I was like, okay, okay. It's a physical preference. Okay, cool. That's a checklist item. How do you want to, what do you assume that means about a person? Right. So when you, when somebody says, I want somebody who is also has a graduate degree also, because, you know, because I want somebody who who matches me, who can match my ambition. Mm -hmm. And what do you want to, how do you hope that preference feels in person? Well, uh, I hope that that person also has a voracious love of learning. I hope that that person also is choosing to level up in their life every day. I hope that that person is also, right? There's so many things that come along with an assumption of a graduate degree that we need to get to the Mm -hmm. bottom of, or so many things that come with the assumption of a man bun that we need to get to the bottom of. And usually we break it out into like so much more beautiful, deeper preferences. Like they join me in the learning. They join me in the joy of um, picking up a book. They join me in wanting to pick up and move to another country. Like it means something different to every single person. And we got to get to the bottom of it. I'm interrupting this conversation to bring you a few words from some of our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. 
People don't always realize that physical symptoms like headaches, teeth grinding, digestive issues can be indicators of stress, not to mention doom scrolling. That is something that I do that I wish I did not do as much as I do. Sleeping too little, sleeping too much, under eating, overeating. For me, for sure, insomnia is one of my biggest indicators of stress. It can show up in all kinds of ways. And in a world that's telling us to do more, to hustle more, sleep less, you know, where it's celebrated if you sleep less and grind all the time, I am here to remind you to take care of yourself, do less, and hopefully try some therapy. Therapy has been incredibly helpful for me. I have long told you guys on this podcast that I am pretty much always seeing a therapist, especially in times of, of extra stress. So BetterHelp is customized online therapy. They offer video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy. Give it a try and see if online therapy can help lower your stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Make Some Noise listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash kickass. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash kickass. For those of you that read my last book, you know that I dedicated an entire chapter to pleasure and how making time for it is so important. That's why I want to invite you to escape into a world where pleasure is your only priority because on Dipsy, you can find stories that match your mood. So Dipsy is an app. I have it on my phone and my iPad. It's full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. You can find stories about that intriguing coworker that has a British accent. I personally like the one with the Irish accent. You can filter and find it. Or hooking up with your yoga instructor. They bring scenarios to life with immersive characters, no matter what you're into or what turns you on. It's your go-to place to spice up your me time, explore your fantasies, or heat things up with your partner. So for listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash noise. It's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash noise, dipsystories.com slash noise. What I've been seeing a lot, especially like on social media, when I when I follow a handful of of dating profiles, it seems like the consensus is, and I could be totally wrong. Give it to <laughs> the me. The consensus is there's not a lot of of quality men out there, mm. and this is no. I'm not bashing men. I I think that our culture has done them so dirty, yeah. and that again, like we are, we they also grow up in a culture that tells them that emotional intelligence is stupid. It's not weak for valuable, et cetera, et cetera. Right. The culture set them up to be thumbs down. So what do you think about, you know, cause if I were single right now, I'd be fine with someone who was just willing to learn all those things. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Do you make fun of therapy? Red flag. Right. Are you open to therapy and like open to reading books on emotional intelligence and having like critical conversations about it yes. and, and being curious and non-judgmental and things like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's fair. Yeah, for sure. Okay. okay. So I have so many hot takes on this subject. 
because women at some point in our work together say something like, it's not fair that I am showing up to do this work on myself and in my dating life and preparing for the right I relationship. The I get, yeah, the emotional labor piece and men aren't doing the same. I don't see men doing the same work. Right. I, my response to them is okay. That is an interpretation of the world that we live in. You know, how is it serving you? How is it serving you to believe if you want, are going to give yourself permission to want what you want, you want the right relationship. If you're a woman who dates a man, then choosing to believe that there are no good single men out there, or there are no men or very, very few men who do emotional work on themselves, choosing that interpretation of our world right now is not serving you. It's only keeping you in a place where you're ready to reject and ready to say no and I'm not, mm-hmm. the, I, I want to encourage everybody to practice self-compassion around this. Like if this is how you feel, feel your feelings. There's no wrong way to feel about men or, or your relationship status, right? Feel those feelings, both and. If I were to literally, Coleman, I live in Brooklyn. If I were to create a spreadsheet with every man who goes to therapy, who dates women, who is single, who either just got divorced or they've been single for a while or whatever the case, those people would not fit in one apartment building. Those people would not fit in a warehouse. Those people like Mm -hmm. there are, there are different ways to think about this that are more creative that allow more space for possibility. Yeah. And I, I work with women all the time who ask deeper questions as we like help them to do before they meet somebody. And there are so many men, I can't tell you how many men there are who go to therapy who do emotional work, who are ready to meet the right partner. They exist. They do exist, but they're probably not on like, what is the, what is the dating app? That's like just for hookups. It, oh, God, I've <laughs> tender is one, but also okay. I know people who've met partners through every single dating app, even if it was like a quote hookup app. So right. that's also mm-hmm. a story, right? It's all about. It does happen. Yeah. yeah. And I'm definitely not one to speak on, on that. I got, um, I got, I met my husband right before they really took off. Yeah. I did meet some really interesting guys. The guy who that I dated who faked cancer to cover up his drug addiction, I met him on Match. <laughs> wow, 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 Andrea. I want to talk about that more. It's, it's another story for another yes. time. But I, I, well, I'm also on the side of TikTok of like straight women yeah. who've always identified as straight yeah. who are now just like so over it, whether yes. they're divorced or they've just been single and they're like, I, I am attracted to women. I am identifying as bisexual. (laughs) Like I'm going, oh my God, TikTok, TikTok has helped so many women open themselves up to bisexuality, to dating women who previously only dated men. I think if I wasn't, I I am so grateful. I found Chris, my, my partner in a very weird, difficult time. And I was open to dating women then too. So in this, in seeing this, um, this trend, uh, trend, it's not a trend. It's women arriving to themselves and arriving to more possibilities. I fucking love it. I see it a lot with women my age and like elder millennials who, who grew up, um, who were young in a culture where homosexuality was not widely accepted as it is now. So I think there's so many women who, who would just were never had their eyes open. And then they're now, you know, 45, late forties, even early forties, like, wait, 
aren't all women attracted to other women? Yes. (laughs) Well, the research on female shifting sexuality is really compelling that like our sexuality, our, our Kinsey scale actually like shifts and ebbs and flows at different moments of our journey. And that that's normal and natural. And I, I love when I work with women and they discover that they want to start dating women. I love when I work with women and they discover like, I'm open to dating folks who are non-binary and trans. I love working with right. like, like I, yes, mm-hmm. I, I think that it's such a cool arrival to permission. Here we are at permission yeah. again, right? Again. Yes. We've come full circle. Okay. So you, we may have already addressed this, but I wanted to ask you about, cause you say that dating can be an act of self care. So can you elaborate yeah. on that a little bit? I do not mean self-soothing, <laughs> self-soothing, like okay. just good distinction. Different conversation. Yeah. Self between mm-hmm. self Soothing and self-care. Self-soothing is I need to take a bubble bath. I need to, um, you know, like give myself a self-compassionate hug or go on a walk or go on a run, like something that will allow your body to move from fight or flight to more regulated, more grounded, right? Self-care, I think of self-care as caring for your present and future self. So when you think about your desires, say like in a non-dating context, my desire is to um, live in Paris for a year. How can I practice self-care to take care of future her? Well, I need to get a raise at my job. I need to um, do a lot of therapy to work through mental blocks that I have around this desire, right? Same with your love life. If you desire the right partnership, then dating with certain tools that I can get into can be an act of future self-care. Now, dating is also fundamentally difficult and rough on your nervous system because it requires a massive amount of vulnerability and risk. It's the Brene Brown definition Mm -hmm. showing up when you literally cannot control the outcome. And so I see so many people feeling like dating is a soul suck because they're neglecting to see how their nervous system is being impacted by their efforts. Dating apps yeah. literally were created like slot machines. They were created to addict the user. They, there are studies that show that dating apps trick the pleasure center of our brain, like McDonald's fries with a little bit of sugar in them, to want more of those cheap rewards, right? You could, when I say McDonald's fries, everybody knows what I'm talking about. That, like, I, I feel so empty, but I need more. <laughs> I know. Well, I just, real quick about McDonald's fries, side note. So I recently was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease Ugh. and I've gone gluten-free. McDonald's is one of the only <gasps> of fast food that have gluten in their fries. Are you kidding? It's some kind of like meat seasoning that they put in their fries and their hash browns. <laughs> I'm disgusted. <laughs> I, I am horrified for you. I know. I was so disappointed because there's nothing like McDonald's. Nothing fries, like but McDonald's. Yeah, fries. I can still have Wendy's. Yeah. Ugh, not the same, but dip them in a frosty and hopefully you'll feel right as rain. Um, so, so in terms of <laughs> dating apps, I think that similarly, like people want something to do. They're addicted to their phones. Looking at pretty faces mm-hmm. makes our brain light up, makes it happy. And it also, I see so many women not understanding how triggering it is to be dating, to be on a dating app. So dating is an act of self-care means backing up, identifying your deeper desires, identifying your essence-based preferences. What does it feel like to be in the right relationship? Learning how to practice self-compassion as you are triggered, learning how to set boundaries, how to courageously communicate what you want. All of those pieces are how dating can be an act of future self-care. I have never thought about that before. And that is my relationship privilege of, of never, never having to think about that 
challenge of, I imagine it's like a, a, a few different angles that triggers are coming at you. First, the the comparisonitis that we might have with other women, seeing seeing their profiles on there, and then seeing like I'm talking about, you know, I'm thinking of myself as a as a heterosexual woman, seeing men on there that might look like a former person that you dated, a uh-huh. former partner. Uh-huh. That you're like, or you see them, you see that person's actual profile. Yeah. Oi, vey. I was at lunch the other day with a, a colleague that lives. Um, it's actually somebody that was on this on this podcast, and we went to this kind of nicer restaurant. And we sit down, and I look over her shoulder, and there's a guy that was a spitting image of the guy that faked cancer to Whoa. cover up his drug addiction. And I, we had just sat down and just met, and I was like, huh. and I was so distracted, like my 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 words caught in my throat. Mm. And I just said, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. There's a man behind you that looks, who was a dead ringer for someone I dated. And it was a traumatic relationship. And she turns around to look at him. She knew him. (gasps) (laughs) Oh my God. And then he saw us and like waved at her. And I was like, oh my God. But then actually when he waved, I realized, oh, he doesn't actually look as much like him as I thought. But all that to say, even that event was just, it was, I had a physiological reaction. Yes. So I can understand scrolling through faces yeah. that could be potential partners. Yeah. Holy And shit. even seeing, potentially actually seeing your ex yeah. on a dating app, especially if you live in a smaller place. And, and so I think that it's a really important to, when that happens, when you are triggered, activated, step back, put the app down. I encourage my clients to only use a dating app 20 minutes a day maximum and to then set a boundary and put down the resource because, and people, when I say that people who don't end up working with me are like, but I need to be on there because this is the only way this is like, I'm not meeting any people. My social circle is small. Women in my life don't know any single men. If they're women dating men. And my response is always a dating app is not the answer. It is a tool. And when you're in your agency, you can more easily use that tool to your advantage because it it is a good tool to meet somebody outside of your social circle and to get to know your dating personality. When you know your triggers, you can better respond to yourself with compassion. Yes. Okay. So we've talked about self-care and self-soothing and emotional regulation. Uh, again, we may have touched on this before, but what advice do you have for people who who regularly deal with dating anxiety? Mm, yeah. So I, I think everybody should be in therapy. I love therapy so much. Oh, for sure. I, I only given. work with, yeah, given, given. I only work with people who go to therapy. So uh, dating anxiety. I think self-compassion is the resource. I think Kristen Neff's work and her meditations mm-hmm. and the idea of, How do you sit, how can you be with yourself here and allow yourself to have human emotions and human thoughts, right? Instead of the perfectionistic fantasy that I shouldn't be having an anxiety attack right now. I shouldn't be dealing with this anymore. I should be more regulated. Like, how can you give yourself radical permission to be in this moment to allow yourself to feel these feelings? There are a lot of tools, like I love the work of, you know, five beats in, 10 beats out breath with imagining your emotion as a literal thing in your body. Where is it? How big is it? What color is it? Tell me more about it. What shape is it taking? Is it hard? Is it soft? Like literally being with the feeling of anxiety and noticing what is happening and like what that feeling is here to teach you. And then after 
noticing, feeling, practicing self-compassion, how can you, what is the need that you need met, right? Are you feeling isolated? Mm -hmm. Are you tripping out on dress rehearsing tragedy because something good is happening in your dating life and you're afraid that something shitty is down down the bend, right? Like what boundary do you need to set to get a need met? What do you need right now to get a need met? How can you meet your own needs? That's the work. Oh God. I'm just, I I had a little flashback of when I was dating and the lengths I went to, to abandon myself (sighs) in order to please the men I was with who I didn't even like very much. And I just, I have so much compassion for that younger version of me who just was quite honestly, desperately seeking validation. And the way that I knew to get it was through, you know, being a certain way and through sex. And, you know, and I said yes many times when I didn't really want to. Same. That I was always disappointed. God, <laughs> I think you're, you're, I am like receiving sense memories as well of like feeling so disconnected from this person that I loved and then choosing to like, do something sexual to barter for right that connection or right. and and I think that the, the right and the trauma that we all go through as people as women in the world I mean I I hold so much fucking privilege as a as a white woman in this world like we're not even talking about the the trauma and experiences that women of color and and women who have marginalized identities go through like dating is hard and there's yeah. nobody that taught me <laughs> how to. Mm-hmm. Um, actually tactically believe in my worthiness and set boundaries to receive what mm-hmm. I wanted. There was nobody to teach me. I mean, like that's, that was the learning. And so that's why I'm so yeah. on fire for this work for women's dating lives. Cause it really isn't just about dating though. We do talk about wellness through a dating lens. It's about how do you create your own freedom emotionally, mm-hmm. physically? How do you attract people in your life who are down for your freedom? This just question just popped into my head. If you could wave a magic wand and make the dating, I don't know what you call it, the dating scene, the dating culture, if you could change things and you can have a list, doesn't it be just like one thing, what would you change? Okay. Everybody would be in therapy with a qualified professional Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, like full-time, (laughs) full-time and everybody would have a pod of humans that they were doing dating side by side with like dating is so fundamentally isolating. And for women who are single together and dating, the conversation generally can be very negative. <laughs> and so that I, I that's difficult to break out, to create a positive um, new offshoot in your love life is difficult when you're stuck in a negative conversation about dating with your friends. So everybody would be with a qualified therapist. Everybody would have a community of support in their love life. So they never felt isolated. So they knew they belonged. They normalized belonging in their nervous system. I think that's why so many people settle is they don't know what true belonging feels like. Mm -hmm. And uh, then dating apps would be more highly regulated to, I mean, like dating apps are an industry. It's a three point something billion dollar industry dating is. And so when we're talking about a capitalistic culture, the marketing messages are super compelling, right? Like hinge is the app to be, you know, designed to be deleted. Ooh, cool. Yeah. No, they're designed to fucking make money 
and to please their shareholders and match group owns every fucking dating app under the sun, except for Bumble and match group was under investigation by the FDA. Like it's just, so the dating industry would be more heavily regulated to be uh, like Brene Brown would be, you know, leading, leading uh, groups of uh, industry professionals at dating apps. Mandatory. (laughs) The CEO, the C-suite has to be there, right? You, You would be leading, right? Like dating would be more integrated into this matters to people's well-being. It matters to our public health. We need to pay it more mm-hmm. attention and we need to pay more care. Oh, wow. And I bet there's, you know, with all of that said, there's probably offshoots as it comes to different uh, generations, because I'm sure it's different for, you know, women in their twenties than it is for women in their fifties and sixties. And it's different for people with physical disabilities. Yeah. It's different for women of color, indigenous women marginalized um, groups based on their sexuality and gender identity. It's like, it's all important. And it seems like it would be a little bit complicated, but at the same time, not. Well, it's, it's because people don't think that it matters. I think that's why I think that, that, that somehow there's this idea that dating is frivolous or that like people who are single and who are complaining about it, like, they just haven't figured it out yet or what's wrong with you that you haven't Which caught haven't somebody right. trying too hard. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then let's, uh, we, we haven't touched on and <laughs> there's so many things to say. So I, all I will do is touch, but this idea okay. of like women who want to have kids mm-hmm. and who want to find a partner to have kids with, or they're going to have kids solo and like the feelings coming along with that and how to like own what you want in that realm and how difficult it is for women to have children solo if that's what they want. And I think that's another reason why women settle a lot of the time because they want to bear children and that's, that doesn't feel possible. So there's, this is a very complicated space. And like you said, it doesn't have to be complicated to be well here. That's what I was referring to. Like, just to clarify, it's like complicated in that there's a lot of different sort of like ancillary topics of it, but simple in a sense of like, let's just be better to people who are dating. Yes, like, yes. Who are single yes, and, and looking for love. Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. Okay. I have a, a, kind of a funny story to tell you. So <laughs> I was going to tell it earlier, but I didn't, we, you were just on such a good roll. <laughs> my, my best friend, Amy Smith, the podcast probably knows who she is and, and she has her own podcast. And uh, we have made up this joke, what we're like kind of half serious that, Eventually, we are going to start our own commune. Okay. And it's going to be women of all, it doesn't matter your your what gender you are, what your sexual identity. You can come to this commune. And if um gay men are invited, bisexual men are invited, <laughs> but heterosexual men can probably get so much shit for this. Come on, come heterosexual on. men can can come as long as they have to like meet a criteria yeah. and it's like. Do you go to therapy? Are you working on how's your emotional, um, I, you know, EQ, um, and also do you have a skill? <laughs> what do you bring into the table? Yeah, right. Exactly. It's going to be like an interview process. Yes. Yeah. Written application and in person for four rounds. Right. <laughs> we need people, it, you know, carpentry. Yeah. And, and then we're also going to have, do you remember like in elementary and high school or may, middle school, like maybe in high school, like where I went to school, there was like this kind of door on the, where like we did PE yeah. where it was like the door was cut in half and like the top part opened. And that's where you checked out like the, the, ball, the basketballs yeah. and like the sports equipment. We're going to have one of those, but it's for sex toys. Cool. So yes. Like, <laughs> you can check out anything you want. 
it's just, if you want to strap on, if you want different kinds of vibrators and they're always like, there's high regulation for the cleaning. Very sanitized. <laughs> yeah. I was, that was my next question, but I, I trust you, you know, like we just met, but I do trust that you would sanitize the anal beads. Of course. <laughs> like all the, there's this like, you know, um, what is the OSHA uh-huh, might be involved. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. A lot of oversight here. <laughs> so everyone is sexually satisfied. We haven't worked out all the details with like consent and things like that. And like the comings and goings, but it's all self-sufficient. Great. You know, we'll like grow our own food. And I love that idea. We're working on the details. I, but... I think, you know, I do follow people on TikTok. And the more I say it out loud, the more my phone is going to hear me of people who like move to France and buy a giant like chateau with outbuildings. And they move there with four families and they're doing it. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like people are creating their own space. And I think that that speaks to like, create your own environment in which you can thrive. And sometimes that's not available because of the world that we live in and and how we're set up. But I I love this idea. And I think it speaks to the deeper longing that most people have for belonging and for sexual satisfied community and, Mm -hmm. and understanding like-minded people. Yes. And support, you know, and that's, that's why I only do group coaching. That's why I only like, it truly changes lives being in community and belonging with each other. And, and, you know, it is, it is in jest, but I, I think you nailed it of what you were speaking to. It's like, we want to be around like-minded people and no matter what age they are or, you know, what it doesn't matter, but, but also just getting away from what's happening here. And it just, I think the pandemic brought so many things to light mm-hmm. and the stresses that people already had mm-hmm. became impacted mm-hmm. and, and got even bigger and, People are starting to think outside the box and mm-hmm. I think for yeah, the better. I always have a lot of ideas, but <laughs> I I will check and, in and next year to see how much progress y'all have made on this idea. Get get land. Really started, get the, yeah. Instead of like relying on like, you know, grocery stores and the chain supply. And it's like, ah. So anyway, anyway, lots of lots of stressors out there. But I, I don't want dating to be a stress for people. So tell everyone how, like, where do you want people to go? Do you have like yep. a, a freebie on your site that would be helpful for people? Yep, I do. So it is a guide to make dating feel like self-care. We're going to cover bragging. We didn't even talk about it. It's in this workbook that I created that's totally free. How to brag to create a dating life that feels like self-care. Uh, how to practice self-compassion and how to start to set one boundary that will support your dating is self-care journey. So that freebie, I'm going to give it to you to put in the show notes. You can find it at datebrazen.com as well, front and center. Um, Also, I have the Date Brazen podcast, which I release a new episode every week. We just turned 100 episodes uh, recently. Thank you so much. And I looked at your episode count. I'm like, oh my God, she is doing the Lord's work. I've been doing it for like 137 years. I don't. (laughs) People, I mean, are so served by you showing up and I just admire you so much just for that alone and so many other things. But so my podcast, Date Brazen Podcast, datebrazen.com is where you get that freebie dating as an active self-care guide. And Instagram is where I love hanging out at Date Brazen. At Date Brazen, everybody go ahead and and get grab that freebie. Of course, the links are going to be in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. You know how how valuable I understand that your time is. And thank you so much for being here, Lily. It's been so fun. Thank you, Andrea. And remember everyone, it's our life's journey to make ourselves better humans and our life's responsibility to make the world a better place. Bye for now. 
Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the show. And just a quick reminder that if your company needs a speaker or a trainer, I might be the right person for you. I speak and do keynotes on confidence and resilience for mixed audiences, as well as do trainings on The Daring Way, which is the methodology based on the research of Dr. Brene Brown. So if you think it might be a good fit, hit me up at support at andreaowen.com or head over to my speaking page, andreaowen.com slash speaking.